Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. As always, you can find us on at the number Five Reasons Sports on Twitter. You can also find us on, on Twitter, the, the pod site that is, the pod account that is, I'm sorry, at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter. It is Friday, May 15th. I am recording from my balcony over here at uh, a friend's house in Central Florida. So uh, it's going to be an interesting episode because I'm, to be quite honest, I'm about uh, half a glass of Crown Royal in. And uh, Shane and I disagree vehemently on a topic in a way that he and I have not disagreed since we actually met in real life. Um, you might, <laughs> Shane, uh, before we jump into this, man, uh, how's it going? I know it's, uh, it's your Friday down there. You got a Friday off, which isn't exactly the case for you. You doing all right down there in South Florida? Yeah, yeah, just um, gathering some FAU news as we speak that hopefully maybe be out in the next couple of days. But, um, you know, we this is kind of a spontaneous uh, podcast between Eric and I just through uh, texting each other in uh, mm. debating a topic. You know, there hasn't been a ton of sports out there, but, you know, this pandemic and everything and all the different scenarios and, you know, things we see out there have, you know, made us rethink how we view college football in a lot of ways and has, you know, brought some really interesting topics to the forefront that we probably wouldn't be talking about normally this time of year, you know? So, you know, this is definitely one of those things. And these are the type of things that really interest me. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I can't agree with you more. You know, we probably wouldn't get to this podcast specifically if things were structured normally the way they are. And uh, forgive me, you know, my mistake for not introducing the other voice on the line. For those of you who maybe listened to us for the first time, it's Shane Marinelli, our FAU superfan slash all things FAU for the FAU Owls Nest. And also our expert uh, in terms of South Florida high school recruiting. Please if do yourself. If you're not checking it out, you're doing yourself a disservice. Check out his recruiting insights at the FAU Owls Nest. But the topic we're going to get into today is a tweet that was sent out at 11.06 a.m. today by Bruce Feldman. He is actually sourcing Nick P. Blade, who covers Bowling Green Sports for the Toledo Blade. And the source is that, excuse me, the, uh, the tweet is that a source can confirm that the MAC conference uh, has decided to, there are, or excuse me, they were told, so I, I shouldn't say they were decided, they were told two weeks ago that teams will no longer stay in hotels the night before home games to cut costs. The MAC will also reduce the size of travel rosters from 76 to 70. Now, that's going to be the crux of our discussion today. But just because uh, we're going to kind of broaden this out a little bit, in addition to that, there was an article written about three weeks ago by Mike Bianchi of the Orlando Sentinel, who kind of gave 10 reasons or 10 ideas on how college football teams could cut the fat from their athletic budgets. And I just felt that this would be a good topic to jump into because as you've heard Shane talk about on this pod, you know, I'm sure you probably heard it on the Owls Nest pod as well if you listen to both. Shane's a huge, you know, I don't want to say proponent, but he's a huge believer. And there's there's facts to back this up. This isn't his own, you know, just kind of hypothesis that college athletics as a whole, specifically college football, it's not a good business model. You know, teams are losing money for a lot for a variety, a litany of reasons. And Mike kind of gives 10 reasons here. One of the ones that he actually talked about was that idea of teams spending uh, the night before home games. And I'll make sure that this is clear because I tweeted this out and to my surprise, not everyone knows this. Maybe, you know, I'm living in the culture ball bubble of people who, you know, work and, and do this for a living and know that teams do spend, this includes FIU and FAU, Shane, you can correct me if I'm wrong as far as the owls go, uh, that teams will spend the night before their home games as well 
at a nearby hotel for a litany of reasons, whether it's to kind of mimic the feel of a professional environment, um, to kind of get the guys away from campus to, you know, kind of minimize uh, any type of discrap, excuse me, discrap, yeah, descriptions, distractions that could come up. Uh, there are litany of reasons why they do that, right? So uh, Shane and I, <laughs> just through, you know, texting today, we feel very strongly on the opposite sides of this. And um, Shane, I just want to let you start. You know, I, I, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. So you can just kind of give a broad overview of, of your POV, just so we both can kind of outline where we're coming from. And then we'll kind of get into the meat of the discussion of why we disagree. Well, you know, my basic thought, and I think this all started, I think one of us sent the text and I originally said, yeah, that's a huge risk. Correct. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 the obvious thinking is, is and there's a litany and a reason. And, you know, the reason why teams do it is obviously uh, college coaches and any coaches, and it's probably even more so in football, they're a little bit of control freaks, right? The more you have in control, you know, the, the, the better, you know, you can, you feel you can control the outcome, right? Which is definitely true to that. Also, anyone that's played sports know that athletes are, you know, it's all about habit, right? And you're trying to create the same thing. FAU probably gets on the team bus and walks into the same hotel. FAU stays at the Boca Resort, for those who don't know, um, before home games. It's probably arguably one of the nicest hotels at any school. Uh, whether we're talking Alabama, Ohio State, um, or any other G5 program, stays in the night before a game. You know, they get to the hotel, whether it's in Boca, Boca Raton or Bowling Green, Kentucky, um, around the same time. They eat their meal the night before that at the same time. They go through, you know, maybe one final walkthrough or, you know, questions they might have with their individual position coaches. You know, they break off in places in the hotel. You've even read stories about, um, you know, coaches in like a, a kind of a ballroom or a conference room in the hotel, adding maybe one more play in or making a last minute adjustment to the game plan, those type of things. Having all your players in the same place, you wake up at a certain time, right? All the players are most likely on the same floor. Usually your strength and conditioning coach, whatever, um, goes through, uh, the rooms for a curfew and then he's banging on the door saying it's game day, get up, get up, right? And all that time and they start obviously their game day habit. I just think, you know, and I said this is a risk, you know, eighty five players, and this isn't even you take the risk about cutting how many players you're gonna take on the road, which seventy is small, okay, for how many you use in a college football game. And, uh, you know, a bunch of eighteen to twenty two year old males on a college campus on a Friday night you know, not in a hotel. There's a lot. And Bruce Feldman even tweeted this, that, you know, he's already spoken to a lot of coaches who you're nervous. And I'm not saying they're all going to go out there and do bad things. This is simply is it's simple as you know what? Having the girlfriend come over and staying up till too long, watching movies with her, right. Not getting your sleep the night before the game, you know, <laughs> uh, coaches want to know that, athletes are putting themselves in the best position to win. And when you're not kind of in control of that situation, you don't know that. So I'm going to jump in right there, right? Because, you know, when Shane sent that text or that message in our group chat, you know, I sometimes Shane, you know, and I were being sarcastic. We're all kind of sarcastic in the group chats. I had no idea whether he was being sarcastic or serious. But once I realized he was being serious, I vehemently disagree on this for a myriad of reasons. One of which being, 
they don't play in them. Probably the strongest one being contrary to popular belief, they do play football at other levels of schools, other levels of, you know, uh, of competing outside of FBS football. FCS plays, Division II play, Division III play, and NAIA, and so on and so forth. And this is not standard operating procedure at the lower levels. In case we didn't make this clear, this is something that's primarily done at the FBS level. Why? As Shane kind of hinted at, it's mainly because college football coaches tend to be creatures of habit and, you know, they like to control the environments, right? And then it's not necessarily a negative because I'm a huge believer in that when you're dealing with 17 to 23, 24-year-olds, they're not necessarily fully grown adults yet. And at times they do need structure. Huge believer in that. It's the reason why, you know, it probably shines through in my writing. I probably am more pro player than I am anti-player just based on the fact that kids will make mistakes. And I do believe we're still dealing with kids. With that being said, I, as a, you know, you may have heard me say on this podcast, I played NAI football, at Jacksonville university for a year uh, before going back to UCF or to going before going to UCF. And the process was simple, right? When you're dealing with an athletic budget in which you don't have the funds to do these things, you just keep kids at their dorm and they make it to the game standard, standard, you know, normally speaking, they make it there unscathed. I know Shane, and, and I don't want to, you know, jump ahead here, but I know part of Shane's POV is that when you're dealing with 17 to 24-year-old young men, there are a myriad of distractions that can not make it the most ideal circumstance for them to be at peak prime position to play football. I get that. But with that being said, A, we're in a unique time and environment due to the COVID-19 outbreak where a lot of people are having to tighten athletic budgets, which quite frankly, they should have been doing well before this. We can put that aside because, you know, no one could have prepped for this, but they should have been doing that ahead of time. The second thing is it's just an unnecessary expense. When you're talking about 85 kids, and then sometimes, you know, you're going to address over 100 kids, uh, sometimes, you know, for a game, that's how many players that you're having to put. And you, you so you're doing what, 130, 140 rooms uh, at the, you know, insert hotel. That's just an unnecessary expense. And then you add in, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily doubling down on this per, per se. This is part of Mike Bianchi's article. But when you add in that and the police escort and all this, that's just an unnecessary expense. Now, of course, the police escort's probably coming courtesy of whatever university um, has their on-campus police force. So, you know, I know I'm going to get that pushback. But I firmly believe that if you can't have 85 to 100 kids make it to the same place at the same time, and you don't believe that that's feasible, well, then, hey, college coaches who are being paid, spend the night on campus. You got, you know, 12, 13, 14 per person staffs. Why don't you have them spend the night on campus, right? You can do two on a floor or you can do one per if, if some of the kids are in dorms, right? You can, you know, have one stay in the dorm or just have, stay somewhere, right? If, if you firmly feel that way, just only rent 14 or 15 hotel rooms for coaches, have them stay on campus till 2, 3 a.m., and then decide, hey, all right, it's time to go home. It's time to go to our, our hotel or wherever it may be. And I know you're going to say, oh, man, you know, now you're keeping the coaches up. If, if you strongly feel that you can't trust the kids, then whatever it takes. But this is a necessary budgetary restriction that I think just is, is you know, makes perfect sense. And I know Shane, you know, like uh, in, in the chat, he says, hey, you know, whether it's kids eating habits or whether it's them having visitors over or whether it's, you know, them getting into extracurricular activities. Those same things, A, in theory, could be done on the road, and B, then why don't we hear about it happening at the lower levels, or B, 
there, you know, this only happens with football. You have the men's basketball team, the, or let's, let's take men's basketball out of it because you can go to certain areas, whether it's UConn or whatever it may be, and men's basketball, you know, it's this huge type of deal. Maybe I shouldn't use UConn as a recent example. Maybe I should use like Duke or Kentucky, right? But um, let's say the women's soccer team or the men's and women's track team, which will travel up to 40 or 50 people. The women's soccer team, they'll travel 30. I don't hear about them getting in trouble. And I know you're going to say, hey, it's a, it's a lower number of, of people. Still, you're still dealing with the same age range here, and they don't get in any, any issues. I just don't see why this isn't a simple restriction. Let's tighten our budgets and cut back. Closed budgets. I think there's another thing that's a little, and every school's different. Like FAU in particular has a corporate sponsorship with the Boca. Raton Hotel. So I don't know how it's worked in with that and the Boca Bowl, you know, is FAU, I don't think the player FAU is paying the full uh, per night, obviously with the Boca Hotel costs, um, the Boca Resorts, one of the nicest resorts in the country. But, you know, (laughs) and also when you were talking about coaches staying on campus, you know, there's some funny uh, Bobby Petrino jokes. Uh, to be worked in there if, uh, <laughs> with college football coaches um, staying in dorms. But again, my point was I understand how you can make that argument, but it is a risk. And and again, also you got to remember you make the other games and stuff. Uh, college football plays 12 games a year. Six of them are at home, Right. Uh, so much money and importance goes into those games. I don't think anyone wants to hear about, you know, coaches don't want to hear it, how their, their jobs and livelihoods could be depending on a player that does or doesn't do the right thing, you know, uh, the night before the game. I think it's, it's important to note that I think uh, the Mac was just doing this for conference uh, in league plays, I guess, just to make it a little bit more fair, but, and this is just creating more of a gap between the haves and haves not uh, in college football. You know, I think there's other areas you guys, you can cut. Uh, and just, again, just as an athlete, you know, walking into that hotel, separating yourself kind of mentally away from all that stuff. And yeah, you make the argument, the other sports don't do it, but man, the other sports don't generate money like football. Right. I mean, isn't that, you know, FAU just built the $70 million facility and weight room and all these meeting rooms. And guess which sports it was primarily built for, right? So they're investing into a particular sport. So, yes, maybe the men's soccer team doesn't get to stay at the hotel the night before. But, again, <laughs> you know what I mean? This is this is kind of that you know touchy subject in college football when we're talking about paying players. One sport drives more revenue, and that's it. No so, disagreement. Or go ahead, Sean. I don't want to cut you off. And and just just from a recruiting factoring factor, you know, I mean, Matt schools recruit down here all the time and stuff too. They, man, that's going to be used against them. I know that'd be the first thing. You know, Toledo has I think two or three commits in the state of Florida already. Um, man, I would use that against them. Do you want to? You know, I know when FAU recruits come on official visits. Uh, at least under Lane and at the end this past cycle, they stay at the Boca Resort, right? Oh, this is where you stay before the nights of games. And Toledo's going to be like, yeah, you know that twin-size bed 
with your roommate that snores, that's where you're staying the night before the game. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little different. Well, I, uh, forgive me. Shane's being a, that's a, it's a funny joke, but Shane's being a little bit hyperbolic. It, there's no way to, to think that in 2020, we've seen the way that college spending works, that Toledo or any Mac school, let's take Toledo off the hook. Any Mac school is having athletes room with, your general population they're they're staying with other no athletes. no right no i know it's a funny visual it's a funny it is a, it's a it's a hilarious visual it's a hilarious visual you know a, um, you know a, a toledo starting quarterback saying that you know he didn't play well because uh his roommate that's uh a chemistry major just was up all night studying <laughs> 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 but, but you know those are the type of things these kids deal with in college they do. And I think separate them kind of from the dorm and campus mentally gets you ready. Okay. It's game day. You know, this is time to get in that mode to prepare for a game. I hope Shane, I'm not, I hope I'm not violating any trust here when I say this, because you've always been someone who's hasn't shied away from, you know, saying that, Hey, college football coaches can be kind of uh, uptight. They can be a little squarish at times. And I, I'm, I'm just saying like, Shane, what is it about, you know, this belief from college coaches that college football players can't operate, they can't be, you know, it, 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 it just sounds so ridiculous to me that the women's soccer player or the women's lacrosse player or the women's um, rower is mentally wired as an athlete different than a football player in the sense that, oh, you know what made that little bit of a difference in me winning at the line of scrimmage? Or, you know, me getting off that block or me winning at the point of attack, the fact that I stayed in a hotel bed as opposed to my dorm. I mean, on the surface, that sounds ridiculous, Shane, does it not? Yeah, but, you know, it's in, in a sport where even at the lower levels, coaches are making, you know, Lane Kiffin made $1.5 million. And, that, and obviously, it does, it's kind of, yes, it all does sound ridiculous. Um, people want every competitive advantage they can get, right? So... I do think, you know, even Eric, you played, you know, high school football, even, you know, high school football, you know, it's just about the rhythms and the habits. And when I played high school football, I had to wear a shirt and tie on, you know, Friday to class that day. Right. There's those little mental aspects um, that, that go into it. The same pregame meal, we would take a nap actually at like right after school to mentally clear, you know, that's what they, they put all the stuff they put into it. And I, I will say there's, there's a big advantage in having those things, right. That we might, I'm not saying that the football players can't, can't operate. They can't, it's not like they can't go play a game. Um, and probably mo- many perform just fine and do the right things and get a good night of sleep. Heck, they do it every day and go to practice, right? But, hey, if you're staying at the Boca Resort and getting a meal and having a nice quiet conference room to talk to your tight end coach about how to beat this outside linebacker tomorrow gives you an advantage, use it, right? I, I, I do think there's a lot of advantages that do go into it. It, it doesn't make you so much incapable of playing. I just think it's, it's a big step forward. I understand that. One of the ways I would push back is I would say that due to the coronavirus outbreak, I think we've learned via the NFL draft and via the ways it's been affected with college football. There's a lot of ways that, and listen, any coach who listens to this podcast can tell you, you know, coaching is a 24 seven gig. 
But there are a lot of ways and things that probably could be done from home with the advent of technology that doesn't require the coach to be face to face with another coach. But I want to put that aside for a second. And I want to get, you know, I also want to put me just to be 100 percent transparent with the audience. I put some of my own, you know, kind of thoughts of where I was at 21 and maybe maybe because I was had a lot of fun in college. I mean, I just know and and I wasn't a college athletes and had that type of responsibility, not even close, but man, I just know as a young male, you're always one text message away, you know, from going and maybe not making the best decision. Right. I mean, all I, I, so I know I probably did. I did made those poor decisions all the time in college. So maybe I'm just projecting a little bit of my own on what some college athletes might do, but let's, Again, let's be real, they're young athletes, and you just envision your uh, young football player playing for FIU, and I don't know where FIU's home team hotel is, but one text, you know, or you're in the dorms, and one text message, and you're like, oh, yeah, I can go out a little bit on Friday to hang out with this girl that I've been talking to, you know? (laughs) So I want to get into some of those little nuances you mentioned there, because we did talk about in the chat and I think it's interesting. You kind of raise some points about to, to be completely transparent. And I don't think you're alone in being a 20, 21, 22 year old college aged person and some of the things you can get into. So let's kind of get into some of those nuances for a second. So some of the things we talked about in the chat, Shane, were, you know, and this was my counterpoint to you, which is, are we inherently saying, because this is just my POV, <laughs> um, <laughs> we can talk about uh, talk around this all we want to. I don't think that your 20, 21, 22 year old college football player is facing different challenges than the 19, 20, 21 year old women's soccer player or women's softball player. And somehow those athletes seem to be just fine. What would you say to that? Um, I I don't know. I, 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 I think more to it. I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's more based on they're not facing similar challenges of the college life. Right. I'm not saying it's so much a disadvantage to stay in the dorms the night before a game. I'm saying there's an advantage to staying in a hotel, right. And spending the money and getting that game mindset. I bet if every school could afford it, they would do it with more programs if they can afford it right they you know the programs tend to dump all their money in football anyways so you know i like i said and also again there is a just a volume number with football players i mean what it said you know teams sometimes they dress 90 players on game day 90 to you know so Controlling that many, it's just more. I mean, but how big is how many how how many scholarship players are on a women's basketball team? I mean, sure. No, uh, no, no, I mean, sure. You you probably got like 12, 13, 14, right? Or on a women's soccer team, you know, maybe 30, right? And it's it, it just through Snapchat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like so I it's I don't know. I I Again, it's it, it, look at it this way. It, it, this is maybe this is good or bad analogy, right? Essentially, you can get just as strong 
benching a barbell that's rusted in a front yard, right? As you could in a nice gym, but people prefer to work out in the nice gym. Mentally, it feels better. Everyone wants to work out in the gym with all the gizmos and gadgets and sleds and stuff like that, right? But, you know, old adage goes, you can get just as strong picking up cement weights, right? So (laughs) that's kind of my thought of staying in a dorm or staying into a hotel the night before a game. So, yeah, and, and, you know, we, we'll kind of cap on this before we move on to Mike Bianchi's article and touch on a couple things really quick. It's just my POV, the reason I feel really strongly about it is, A, these kids aren't 11. You know, they're not little kids. Sure, they're young adults, but they're not, you know, I think that they can be trusted enough if you get them there, if they're staying on campus, right? Let's So let's say, for example, and I just feel like the dorms, you already have – athletic dorms on campus that are isolated enough you can kind of control the variables control the circumstances in a way that mimics that hotel environment for example like i said if you truly feel this strongly about it get six or seven kids who are you know work in athletics as assistants and have them do dorm checks you know what i mean like i just think there's especially when it comes to the money the amount of money you'd spend on that hotel there's ways you can do that and sure that kid who's doing a dorm check may feel an inherent power dynamic if he's going up to the starting quarterback of the team and saying, hey, get, you know, whatever distraction you're having, get rid of it. There, you may feel that way, but sure, fair enough. All right. If let's say that kid doesn't want to do it, you go back, you tell the coach, problem solved. Uh, that, that's just kind of my thing. But yeah, really but, quick. Well, or go, no, go I ahead, Jane, made the go point, ahead. though. Not everyone lives on campus. Oh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time especially your older athletes. Most of them get apartments together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, okay. That. Okay. Okay. No, no, that's, that's a very fair point. Cause I know plenty of kids when, you know, when I was at UCF, most of the college, you know, juniors and seniors, most of the junior and senior student athletes were living off campus. Fair enough. That's fine. Uh, that's, that's, that's such a really good point. So then I would once again, put it back into the hands of the coaches or your assistants on the staff or whoever you want to use and say, all right, Swing by such and such's house, right? And this is just my major thing. Maybe as someone who covers college football, you know, for a living, and I think Shane, you would agree with this too. I, I, we won't disagree with this. Yeah, you're dealing with 17 to 24 year old young men, but most of these guys are good guys. You know, they're they're ones who, if you, if you lay down oh, the yeah. line and tell them what to do, they're going to follow it. So you probably only really have about maybe 10 to 15 guys who you you have on your team who you say, hey let's keep an eye on them because they haven't been consistent in showing up on class on time, showing up in meetings on uh, late. Let's keep an eye on them and see what they're doing. Right. So it's really only about, you know, we're not worrying about a hundred kids out of a hundred on the team. You would agree with that. Yeah. Right. Right. So let's go ahead and transition into, into Mike Bianchi's article here. And we'll just take on a couple of these because they were pretty interesting. You know, these are things that are going to affect both FAU and FIU in terms of conference USA and all G5 schools in general. Uh, Shane, let's just talk about one of the things he talked about here, which was, uh, I know both of us felt pretty strongly about this, which is disarm the arms race. And I'm going to kind of shortly preview what he said, which is schools need to quit going into debt to build ridiculously palatial facilities. Excuse me. Does Alabama really need indoor waterfalls and its football complex? Does Oregon need a barbershop? Does Clemson need a bowling alley or mini golf course? And you even threw an example out there, which I had no idea of. I couldn't believe that North Carolina has a recording studio. Do I have that correct? South Carolina. South Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina yeah, has a recording yeah. studio? Correct. 
So when you have things like that, I just think it could it could work in favor of G5 schools. If you take, you know, your run of the mill three star athlete and say, hey, you can come here and you can play immediately. And I know that huge, you know, waterfall or lazy river or recording studio that you were interested in at South Carolina or School X. They don't have that anymore. So just come here. The facilities are going to be comparable. You're going to lift. You're going to eat. We're going to take care and you're going to play early. That could be something that could be beneficial to an FAU or FIU. And let's just be real here. A recording studio at South Carolina. Uh, I think, Shane, you said this and I agreed. You know, if you're a kid from Miami, do we really need to hear your struggle rap trying to bring back, you know, Miami joke music from 2006? I don't need to hear any more struggle, struggle records about grind mode or you know, Miami joking, or I, I, I just, I don't need that. Just if you're going to focus on football, focus on football because you're not building that recording studio for the kicker from Conway, South Carolina to come out with his Garth Brooks album. Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, I, some of that stuff and just, you know, to look, I looked, I'm looking at it on my computer right now. The, it was donated. So I mean, what is South Carolina going to say no, um, you know, to the studio? I don't know exactly which alumni donated it. But, you know, it's, let's also factor, you know, I'm big on anything that goes to actually helping the student. So if you want to add a facility where they could eat healthier, sure. You know, uh, more tutors per student athlete, you know, fine. Keep arms racing that, right? Uh, I, I do think some of this arms race and, you know, this is, you know, a different topic with the, and, and I, it will be happening with, uh, student athletes who be able to get money for their likeness. Um, it's just schools paying them, um, you know, you know, without directly paying them. So it's like, well, we can't pay them directly. So we might as well make this place as nice as possible, either whether Clemson has a slide and stuff like that. Um, but yes, it, on the surface, it does seem like a bit much. I, I do, you know, I, I think the biggest one is, is the buyout. I love that coaches can't sign contracts for more than two years. Uh, 10 years ago, that might've been a crazy thought, but college football coaches bounce around so, so much. I think, you know, I mean, who is the doc holiday and skip Holtz? But I mean, is there another coaching conference USA that's tenured more than four years? Bush Davis. Oh, more than, more than four. I'm sorry. More than four. Um, yeah, I, no, I, no, so no, which, no, there's no, and I've seen Doc Holiday on the hot seat for the last two years anyway. So it's like it, college football coaches switch anyway. Anyone who goes to a G5 program, you know, most coaches they win a couple years, their name is up for jobs. So yeah, it's it, I, I have no problem. Two year contracts, you go, you know, that way you're preventing these huge buyouts that these schools have to pay. Um, I agree with that. Um, you know, and obviously there are other things you can do. And this is, I definitely think the biggest one is, you know, I've always said, and we've seen college football attendance go down is, you know, college football is a people fell in love with college football because it's a regional sport that people loved nationally, right? People loved the dynamics of, this means so much in this part of this country. That's what separates it from the NFL and college football recently has gotten so national at creating these conferences that go 3000 miles. And 
it's crazy. You know, why is the SEC popular? Because people want to see Alabama and Auburn play each other and know that the entire state is divided over that. We're talking about Tuscaloosa and Auburn. Those cities have no national appeal, but people love. So, you know, it's, it's, it kind of starts to make you think, you know, why isn't FAU, FIU, Florida State, Miami, USA, all the college football teams in the state of Florida, each other, just playing each other all the time within football. And, Every every non money making sport, right? There's no reason, you know. You can ask any student or alumni; they want to play the schools in their state, and you know, and and talk about it with their buddy in the office who went to the rival school. That's why people like college football. FAU fans or FIU fans get no, you know, don't get to show up to the office on Monday and brag because they beat UTSA. They don't know anybody that went to UTSA. So, you know, I, I really, if co- I wish college sports would just get back to being more regional, which would save money and I think peak more fan interest. So, Shane, let me ask you this. I, you know, you and I have never talked about this on air or, or off for that matter. Would you be in favor of, uh, let's say, if you're going to play three out of conference opponents, right? Would you be in favor of, I'm not going to say every year, because obviously that's just not feasible. And you need to have the opportunity to go play bigger opponents or take money games, right? But would you be in favor of maybe once every four years just having a Florida circuit? You know, like uh, if you're FAU once every four years. Yeah, go ahead, Shane. You got it. Absolutely, yes. I don't think FAU should take money games that aren't against Florida State, Miami, or Florida. Oh, okay, yeah. I've seen this debated in other states. Like, why is, you know, and I've seen this more debated in college football you know, if Florida is going to pay someone $1.7 million to play it, why are they paying a school out of state? I get why they do it, but there's, you know, FAU's played Florida, but a few times, but why not every year? I mean, if you're going to spend the money, spend the money and keep it within the state, draw more fan interest. You know what I mean? Playing in state teams draws more interest. Um, there's no reason UCF, FIU, um, and USF shouldn't be playing on each other on a, on a circuit. But every year, FAU should have either UCF or USF on the schedule. Um, same with FIU. Obviously, two of the schools are in conferences with each other, but they should all be playing each other. FAU has never played Florida State. That's insane. Yeah, there's no pushback for me on that one. You know, I'm a huge believer in that. And just, you know, the great thing about both of us having attended schools in state and, you know, working uh, for, you know, I don't work for, neither of us work for FAU or FIU, but, you know, we follow these teams, is that we have an idea of the student dynamic, right? So we know what it's like when you you were there, or correct me from you were there when USF went to uh, to Florida Atlantic, correct? Number six in the nation? No, I was, I was a senior in high school. Okay, okay. So, you Funny know, you were close story, enough. Though, uh, Funny story, I had my homecoming that night, and I remember the hotel we had homecoming at probably had 2,000 USF fans in it. It's where they were, most of them were staying for the away game. I even think maybe the team was staying there. So, um, but yes, what were you going to say? No, I just was going to say that, you know, as someone who went to a school in state, I've been, you know, to games, whether it's FIU, I was there as a student at UCF, 2015 and i when ucf when fiu played at ucf that was the magoo game when magoo uh, and fiu and the uh, ron turner era upset 
UCF 15, 14. I went to FIU 2013, 20, yeah, 2013. I went, uh, that was on the road. Blake Boyles was the year they went to Fiesta Bowl. And then, you know, I just think those types of environments, I mean, those are some of the best games when you get, you know, a USF going to Florida State and, you know, maybe they win, right? Because think about it, not just the players themselves, but the students and the fans, half of the kids went to college with or went to high school with someone they're going to see. And, you know, you, you, most of the people who are alumni know someone who's a fan of that school. So I just think it creates a, a, an awesome dynamic. And to bring it all the way back around to the topic, which we initially started about, which is the spending in college sports, that can be a drive. That can be a bus ride. So, you know, if once every four years you say, hey, you know, this year our costs, we're going to be able to cut them by X amount because we got three bus rides. Or in the case of FIU and FIU, you got four bus rides. I just think that's a win-win situation for all. So, um, you know, I think we're both in agreement on that. So with that being said, we're going to get ready to close this one down because we did want to make this one a short one. Didn't want to go, you know, too long. So thank you for listening. Like Shane said, we're going to try to get to uh, a couple more of these type of just short podcasts. We did one just prior with it was me, Shane and David, which was our last podcast. We're going to try to do a couple more of these. So thank you for listening. As always, you can find us at five reasons sports on Twitter. You can find us on, uh, we're soon to be Instagram page. We're going to get that worked out in a second. And you can find the, the podcast account at Shula Bowl pod on Twitter itself. And always you can listen to us at shulabowlpod.podbean.com. Please leave us feedback. The feedback that we've received before, we greatly appreciate. But the only way this podcast can grow and we can improve it is if you're leaving the podcast, feel free to DM, DM any of us at our personal Twitter accounts as well. Thank you for listening. Please stay safe. Those of you in South Florida, it looks that some, like some things will be opening up coming up next week. So with that, the responsibility comes to be safe. If we work through this together, we can get a college football season in. So I promise eventually I will stop ending the podcast like that. But for the sake of all of us, we all want college football season or else uh, you're going to get a shieldable pod, which is going to be Shane and I talking about randomness that we talk about on the WhatsApp. And that could leave both of us unemployed and none of us want that. So with that, uh, stay safe and uh, join us next time.